Father, again, we just say thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. You know, I'm not Pastor Damien. I didn't know if you could tell or notice, but I am not him. (laughs) It's okay to laugh at church. You guys, come on now. It's okay to have fun. How many note takers do we have here? How many of you take notes on service? Even if it's just like in the midst of one of Pastor Damien's messages, you grab a note or you write something down. Anybody do that? Well, let me tell you, you're going to want to do that right now at the beginning of this service. This is some of the best stuff I think God has ever given me. I hope it comes across as a bit boisterous. So I want you to write down the word trust this morning. If you're taking notes. This is some of the best stuff you're ever going to get. And it has nothing to do with me. And that's what I love the most about it. So if you write trust, if you're going to write an acronym, what are acronyms? I don't know. I failed English in school. But I've been at New Life for seven years. And so this is an acronym. It actually stands for life. L-I-F-E, right? And then there's all these cool words that go with it. Pastor Damien is the king of acronyms. Right? I just got to say, I I cannot compare. But I think I might have one today that might maybe impress some of you. So if you wrote that down, let's write it just like you would an acronym, up and down, vertically, right? And I know this first word, you're going to look at me and you're just going to say, oh, Pastor Jim, when you hear the first one. So the first letter in the word trust is what? T. Well, in our acronym this morning... It stands for tacos. Now, I know I've lost about 75% of the crowd already. You don't think I'm funny. It's okay. But I'm just going to finish this out real quick because trust actually just stands for tacos are ultimately superior. Look at your neighbor and say truth, and that spells trust. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say that's truth. That is truth this morning. All right. That was all a joke. I set up to try to be funny. And that's why I'm not a stand-up comedian. If you would, turn in your Bibles, however, to Proverbs 3. 5 and 6. We're going to move there. And one thing 
that really upsets me. Where did she go? There she is. I might just hang on a minute while you're turning to your scripture here. I don't know if you were here like two weeks ago at Bible study on a Wednesday night. There was a certain person kind of teaching and leading the discussion, and I'm like, I never had such an instinct in my life to want to go over and punch somebody in the face. I'm like, why is she preaching my sermon? It was Sister Dove. And I, <laughs> it was Angie. Did a great job uh, a couple weeks ago talking about surrender. That's not my topic this morning. My topic this morning is trust. But as we'll see in a minute, you don't get one without the other. So if you've turned with me to Proverbs 3 and 5 and 6, I'm going to read it first. I believe this is out of the Passion Translation first. And then we'll read it out of the New Living um, as well. Again, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on Him to guide you and He will lead you in every decision that you make. I love this part right here. Become intimate with Him in whatever you do and He will lead you wherever you go. Now, we probably don't know that translation as well as we know this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. How many here have ever heard that scripture before? Probably all of us, right? And I asked the Lord, I'm like, God, I do not want to talk about this and preach this because for two reasons. This seems so simple. We've all heard it a thousand times. Do we need it here a thousand and one? And the other thing is, I'm going through some stuff myself right now. Where God's taking me and leading me into a new area and a new level of trust. And it's been interesting. And I'll use myself later as a guinea pig and share some stories. And hopefully you'll get some laughter. And I'll probably get some tears out of it again. <laughs> but there's this beautiful relationship between the word trust and surrender. And Angie was sharing some things, and I wish I would have wrote it down. There was a really cool saying, so I'm going to kind of put her on the spot about trust and surrender. What did you say at the end there that you don't get one without the other, but you remember you had this really cool phrase, like, where's Kimberly? You had Kimberly repeat it. Nobody knows. It's okay. It's not important if we don't remember. It must not have been that good. It was awesome. I should have wrote it down. I just don't remember Anyway, if you think about it, give me a hand wave or something. We'll come back to it. But there's this beautiful relationship between trust and surrender. Because think about it. How many here have ever given your lives to Christ? When you came to Christ, what did you do? Surrender. But did you trust him at all to do it? Like, You see what I'm saying? In order to trust God with my life, I ultimately had to surrender. Or you, it's so married and intertwined, you almost have, can say it either way. In order to trust fully, I must be surrendered fully. Do you see this relationship? They're over there working this out. I want to read. Oh, oh now we've got it. All right, I'm going to go ahead and let them share it because it was awesome. Abby? All right, we'll let, okay, Abby, we're going to let Abby say this amazing, 
quote from two weeks ago, Bible study. To fully surrender, or to fully trust, is to completely surrender. And to fully surrender, <laughs> but see, did you? It doesn't matter. Like almost, it really doesn't matter. It, I mean, we could sit here and debate for hours. Like, which one's first? Did the chicken lay the egg? The egg come first? I don't know. But you don't get trust without surrender, and you, it's hard to surrender unless you trust something. Now, listen, how many of you drove here this morning? A bunch of you did because I looked out in the parking lot, and there's a bunch of cars outside right now. So who drove them? You all drove them. Now, I know this person because I know one of his testimonies, right? But when you drove to church this morning, and you're driving on hopefully the appropriate side of the road, right, as to not invoke any anger or somebody on the other side coming your way. But you trusted them to stay in their lane. But how well do you know that person? Hmm? You don't know that person at all. But you're trusting them to stay in your lane. One day Greg was driving down the road and he trusted somebody to stay in their lane and they did not. And they took out some of his truck. And his equipment, everybody was okay, praise the Lord. But trust is re and surrender are all relationship-based. But on the initial point, there's areas in our life where we don't have a relationship with anybody, right? But we trust them to do things, just like stay in your lane. Simple enough, right? But it gets a little concerning sometimes. How hard was it to get back in the car and like... Anytime you see somebody crossing a little near that line, you're like, uh-oh, right? Relationship. So let's read this word trust. Guess what? From what dictionary are we going to read this morning? <laughs> My wife hates it. Because i got to confess. Can I make a confession before you, church? I'm going to make an honest confession. See, I didn't just find the 1828 dictionary and fall in love. My wife introduced me to it. So she hates it every time somebody refers to it as like it's my dictionary or something. It's not my dictionary. She actually brought it to me because we were a homeschool family and all that. But listen to what trust says as a noun. It says confidence, a reliance, a resting of your mind on the integrity or the veracity, the justice or friendship of, or other sound principle of another person. I'm going to read that in because I stumbled over my own words. There's a confidence, a reliance, a resting of the mind on the integrity, the veracity, the justice, and the friendship, or the sound principle of another person. Now think of God when you think of that. In the transitive version of the verb, it says to place confidence in, to rely on on now let's look at the word surrender from the same dictionary real quick if you were here two weeks ago on Wednesday you learned that it was the act of yielding or the resigning of one's person or the possession of something into the power of another are you getting this this morning in your spirit like I know we've heard this we should trust the Lord we should seek his will we've heard this a hundred times right but I want to talk to you this morning, like even in the basics of this, and I've walked with the Lord for a long time, it's easy to lose sight and remember that we can trust God fully. And that's really what he wants from us. And here's this thing. One other point that Angie brought out on Wednesday that I want to bring out this morning 
equally is that when we want to be do this in the allness of God, right? What I mean by that, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, not some of your heart. And what I meant by that, trust and surrender our relationship. Usually, when we look at our trust and we look at our surrender, it's indicative of our relationship with Christ. It kind of tells a story where we're at right now with him. How much we're willing to trust, how much we're willing to surrender is beginning to speak of where we're at in our relationship with the Lord. But we need to be intentional about our trust. And we need to be intentional about our surrender. Now, I think it was about a year ago, I preached a message here on being righteous and holy. And it was nicknamed Tada. How many ever remember that? One person. Thank you, Lord. God bless him today. No, I'm kidding. I, I wasn't really expecting you all to remember that. But listen, the crux of that message was that when you wake up in the morning, you can wake up with an attitude that when you swing your legs over the bed, that you're righteous. When you swing your legs over the edge of the bed, you're holy because righteousness and holiness have nothing to do with you. Righteousness and holiness are the attributes of the Heavenly Father because of what He did for you that makes you holy, that makes you righteous. And then out of that, your desire should turn in relationship that says, Oh God, I want to be holy because you are holy. I want to be righteous because God, you're righteous. But that same veracity that we have when we wake up in the morning can go, Ta-da! I'm righteous. I'm holy. We should have those same moments to say, God, I can trust you. You see, whether we're talking about holiness or righteousness and whether we're talking about trust and surrender, and if we're going to be intentional, then we have to be intentional about it all the time. And so if we're going to be intentional about trust and we're going to be intentional about it all the time, we must be intentional about our past, about our present, and our future. So there was a group of people one time and they were wandering all around. And they had to cross a certain river. And I'm paraphrasing this, so forgive me for not reading it. But for the sake of time, the river was full. And there was no way to the other side. But God made a way. And while they were crossing over, he told every tribe, I want you to grab a stone and take it to the other side and make a pile of rocks, basically, and do this so that they'll remember me, right? So they did that. They crossed. Did you hear what I said? E.D., they crossed the river, and they put a stone. Needs some other ones. Who wants to volunteer? Let me make it easy for you. Has God done anything in your life today? Raise your hand. Grab a stone and put it in the pile. Now tell me, what does that stone mean? Well, you put me on the spot. I did put you on the spot. You thought it was just going to be put a stone down, and that's the end of it. Go back to your seat. I'm sorry. Putting down a marker um, in praise to the Lord. For, for, you know, he brought us over. 
for you specifically, what does that rock represent? So my rock represents something that God did for me in the past. What does your rock represent right now? What did he do for you? Something, anything, any testimony you have in your entire life. We don't, we don't have 30 seconds. Um, yes. Yeah. He uh, did a wonderful work in my, me and my wife's marriage. Amen. So his stone is marriage, right? Amen. Thank you. Sorry for putting you on the spot. You can all thank him. Who wants to be next? Nobody. All right. All right, so we got all these rocks, right? And these are all our testimonies. Right now, while I'm piling rocks, you guys think of your own personal testimony, right? Of what God has done for you. And I'm going to put God on the top. And I hope I don't stumble over those here in three seconds as I'm moving my way. But there's our pile of rocks, right? Your testimony, my testimony. The past, the present, and the future that says, God, we can trust you, Right? But the enemy has this little thing that he loves to do. He's so sneaky. Bud Compton and I were talking about that this morning. And he just said, man, he just gets in there. And before you know it, he snuck in. And you can't even see the rocks anymore. And you forget what they were there for. The rocks were there for a remembrance. For you and for anybody that passed by those pile of rocks, there was a testimony. But the enemy likes to cover it up so that we forget about it. And this is where, if we're not intentional in our everyday, in our past, present, or future, we can also then begin to forget and believe the lie of the enemy. That can you really trust God? Because now I can't see that thing anymore, right? But here is what intentionality does. Intentionality removes everything that the enemy is trying to do in this moment. And it reminds me that God did some things for me in my past. But I want to tell you, you see, many years ago I had to, was put in a place where I had to trust. There was no other option. Well, I guess there was another option. It was either trust or lean to my own understanding. Isn't that ironic that that's what the Scripture talks about it? And we dig into more. But you see, I had an option. But I needed to choose. But I chose to trust in God, and it was a hard time because, see, diabetes has crippled my life. And the doctors were telling me, you may never work again a day in your life. God, I trust you. I would lay in the bathtub because it was the only place. The warm water... And the steam was the only place I could find some peace for the pain that was ravaging my body. But I would stay in those moments while worship music was playing, God, I trust you. I trust you. And at that moment, that was my present. I trust you right now, God. I don't see a way out of this. And man, I got to be honest, God, this isn't easy. And if I can say this in church, it sucks, God. This part of the journey. What are you doing in me? What do you want to do in me and through me right now, God? I don't understand, but I trust you. I trust you right now, God. And then you know the story. I walk through it with him. I come out of the other side healed. Now, I still have diabetes, 
but diabetes doesn't have me. And I'm healed. And I walk in the fullness of that healing. And that's my past and that's my testimony. But I don't forget. Sometimes I might move far enough away. But it's something so personal because I trusted God in that moment in my present that I won't forget my past. But you see, now I'm in the present. And I'm working through something in my own life right now. And the enemy, mm, I told Bud this morning, there's sometimes I just want to kick that dude in the teeth. I do supernaturally in the spirit. But what I'm going through right now, listen, I'm not going to go into what it all is. It's not a big deal. But listen, the enemy is just trying to do that again. He tries to make me unintentional in my trust. He tries to make me unintentional in my surrender. So where I'm not looking at it every day, because I, many times when I look at trust and I look at surrender, I think that it's just a one-time event. God, I already trusted you once. I already surrendered to you. That's good enough, isn't it? And God's saying, no, because I want all of it. You only gave me the start of something, and I want to see you all the way through to the end of the journey. Can somebody say amen? He's walking with you. We can't forget that he was trustworthy in our past. But man, that enemy swooped in. And all of a sudden, here comes all this stuff that I never experienced a day in my life. I'm not a person that usually is fearful, and I've never dealt with anxiety. I'm just the kind of guy like, what are y'all worked up about? Whatever it is, it is. Big deal. That's usually, you know, when somebody comes to you. Sorry, I had to look over. I was about to say something about my daughters. I had to see who's here. I got a daughter. She can be a little emotional sometimes. It's short-lived, and I love that about her. Praise the God, but sometimes the drama just wants to grab hold of her, and she's learning to grab hold of it. But I couldn't relate. I never related to anxiety or that because I never experienced it. But in this new season of wrestling with some stuff, the enemy slept in, and he covered my past. Like, and I totally forgot, and I had no intentional act of every day waking up saying, God, I trust you. God, I surrender to you. Every day in my past, my present, my future, all things that you hold in your hands, God, I do those things. The enemy had came in and stolen those because he whispered the lies. He does what he does. The Bible says and declares that he's more cunning than any other. He's so sneaky, and I didn't even realize it. But I woke up one morning at 3 o'clock in the morning, and my stomach was turning and anxiousness and anxiety. And I was doing everything but the right thing. I was doing everything but the right thing. I told on myself, I don't know when, I, when it was, but I turned to Facebook. Why do you, why would you do that? Like I am so embarrassed right now. Uh, I lay on my bed and I'm a side sleeper. God bless. I love sleeping on my side. I've been told I snore. I may not be able to get back up. Anyway, I lay in my bed like this. And this is the edge of the bed right here. And I just sleep. I wake up at 3.30 in the morning and my phone is down here on the floor. And I just like, oh, Jesus, what is this? This is so weird. I've never experienced this before. And I'm like, I, gotta, I can't breathe. What's going on? Well, maybe if I just scroll on Facebook, that'll help. 
There wasn't nothing on Facebook that was helping. Not one thing. A bunch of people being drama, emotional about stuff. You know, finally, I don't know, Holy Spirit must have smacked me in the head or something. Like, hey, why don't you do, do what you know to do? I'm like, well, I don't, what do I do? I don't know what to do in this. He's like, you know what to do. So I went to the Word, right? Amen. How many are thankful for the Word? I know you all would have ran to the Word first, and I'm so proud of you. Oh, and I'm embarrassed of me. I really am. Like, but I'm like, I had to be honest. But I got into the Word, and let me just tell you something. It helped, and I would love to tell you that it went away. Oh, but it didn't go away. Mm. In my present circumstance, it wouldn't go away. So I woke up the next morning, same thing, or that morning, excuse me, I woke up in the morning and just fighting this stuff and having my quiet time and I'm crying out to the Lord, God help me, I don't know what to do with this, Lord. And I was like, why God? I had all these questions, you know, just crying out. The next day came and it's just more of the same. The next day came and more of the same. I'm not telling you this because I want you to be sorry for me. I don't want you to be sorry for me at all. I hope you can see one thing that's happening here is I forgot. I totally forgot because there was no intentionality in me to remember. You see, being intentional means you're actively doing something to keep it in front of you. And we always say that the past is a bad thing. I always say God wants to use our past as a launching pad for our future. And in the midst of one morning, I have to go to a job and I'm just crying. I got about a 45 minute drive. And I'm crying. I mean, I think I got a almost pull over. I'm not lying. Like I was just emotional. Like I can't deal with this God. I don't know what to do. And everything I was saying, I hope you can hear this because everything that I was saying, the, the focus was totally on one thing and it was the wrong thing. The focus was on the situation and I had forgot. But all of a sudden the Holy Spirit whispered to me, he's like, don't forget. Was I not with you? Do you remember when you were going through all that with your diabetes? Do you remember that for a year you didn't work, but you didn't miss one bill? Do you remember for a year you didn't have any money for groceries? But do you remember I provided every step of the way do you remember that time when your wife looked in the pantry and you didn't have any potatoes or any bread and all she said was, God, we don't have any potatoes and we don't have any bread. And all of a sudden there's a knock at the door and there's somebody there with some potatoes and there's somebody there with a the bread. He's like, don't you remember? And all of a sudden I began to remember and the blinders began to come off and I just said, God, I remember. I made an intentional act to say, God, I choose to remember and I choose that I can trust you and I can do it always in my past, my present, no matter what I'm going through right now, even if I don't like it, God, I trust you. 
Those were some of the hardest words I said in my entire life. Because what I felt like I was going through, I'm like, I can't do this. And he's like, you can, but I'll get you through it. I will get you through it. I'm the God of your past. I'm the God of your present. And I'm the God of your future. And it's that God that holds everything together. And he began to quote from me from Malachi 3.6. He says, listen, I am the Lord and I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O son of Jacob. See, the enemy just wants worship, guys. And when we take our focus and we stop being intentional in our trust or our surrender, all of a sudden my focus begins to shift on the very thing that the enemy wanted, which was him, right? Listen, Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is he a God of miracles? You bet he is. Is he still the God that heals? <laughs> Holy Spirit, let your revelation blow right now. This seems like such a basic thing. I just ask right now, you give us the greatest revelation of this scripture. That we can fully trust you. Even in the midst of the hard things. God, breathe your Holy Spirit right now. Breathe your Holy Spirit of revelation across this place. You see, the Bible says that trust in the Lord with all your heart. But God just reminded me, see, Jim, this is about our relationship. You gave me what you knew to give me when you surrendered to me. But now I'm just shining a little light in your life to say, hey, what about this? You haven't quite given me all yet. That's okay. How about this? And he shines the light of his word in our life, right? Thy word is what? A lamp unto my feet so that we can see the way that the Lord wants to take us. Amen? But it says trust in the Lord with some of your heart. <laughs> Just checking to make sure you're awake. How many of you intentionally ask on a day-to-day -day basis, God, will you show me any place that I'm not trusted you or I'm not trusting you or I'm not surrendered to you? That's intentional when you're asking, right? Because you're looking for an answer. David was the king of this. We're going to get to this in a minute. But nine times from the book of 1 Samuel to 2 Samuel, nine times David inquired of the Lord. The Bible says that he acknowledged him. Right? We're going to see this word here in a minute, back in Proverbs. This is lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, what? I am good and this isn't a testimony of anything good, but I'm good. And maybe this is a man thing. So, ladies, I apologize for a minute if it is. And don't giggle 
promise, ladies, don't giggle, don't smile when I say this, all right? Even if it's true. But men seemingly are really good at leaning on their own understanding. <laughs> I said no giggling. Man, I'm a fixer. Any guys a fixer? I'm not talking around the house either. <laughs> I'm talking something's wrong in the house. Let me fix it. Instead of trusting the Lord and don't lean on my understanding, but acknowledge him. Something's up with my wife, Lord. I need some help. Help me, Jesus, to figure this out because I can't figure it out. But how much easier would that be than just to lean, man? But the thing is, is what we're leaning on will be produced in our lives. If I'm leaning on my flesh, guess what's about to be produced in my life? It ain't barbecue. I'm telling you that. It's all that earthly, fleshly stuff. It's my way, my thoughts, my will. I think this would be a good idea. But when we lean on the Lord, what's produced then? What's God producing in your life when we're leaning on him? The fruits of the spirit, righteousness, joy, peace. We could go on and on. You know them, right? That's what produces, and that's how you know what you're leaning on. That's how we know what we're leaning on. What's being produced in the moment when you're leaning? And that is sometimes just, man, for a guy, it's hard to do. But I've had to learn, and I've had a great coach. And my wife. And between her and Elder Melissa, like, they just say this all the time, like, have you asked? Have you asked? Because, man, so much of my life has been unintentional. I run through my life. A decision needs to be made. I ask myself. Come on. I'm not the only one. Are there any impulse buyers here? I'm at the car dealer. Yes, Lord, bless me. Woo! Thank you, Mr. Salesman. Took $100 off that. Saved me $10 in my payment a month. Now I can afford it. And for any of you that are in finances, that's the worst word ever, afford. But anyway, we won't go down that road today. You see, the thing is, is when we're... When we're wandering through circumstances of this life and we're at that place where trust is being invoked one way or the other, meaning that we either have a choice to trust God or keep leaning on our own understanding. There have been times in my life when I've just chose to continue to lean on my own understanding. I want to read this to you, and this the Holy Spirit gave this to me, and he said, listen. So you got to remember this, Jim, that circumstances are always attempting to invoke something in your life. He said, so when the situation is evoking trust, it shows something. And this is the part I want you to hear because it was a revelation to me, man. He says, so when a situation invokes trust, it's showing us something. It's showing either the enormity of who God is in your life, 
and circumstance, or it's showing the enormity of who he wants to be in your life. Man, I'm jumping up and down right now. If it wasn't for Bud being back there, I'd be all up in your chairs and all over the place right now. I, this isn't me. This is Holy Spirit. So when you're going through a situation or you're going through a circumstance, it's speaking something to you. It's saying you already realize who God is and the enormity of who he is in that moment, that he's bigger than anything. And there's nothing that's going to stop me from getting through this season. Or it's showing you that, hey, you're not really there yet. But God says, I'm going to show you who I am in this moment right now. And I'm going to work some things out of you. I'm going to work some things in you. And I'm going to work some things through you in the midst of this season to get you to the fullest measure so that the power of the supernatural can be released in your life. If we have a portion of God right now, and because of only a portion of our surrender, how much will we be when we say, God, I'm all in? For what I know right now, I make an intentional act to say, God, I'm all in. Here it is. Everything that I know about in this moment, God, it's all yours. What release, man? God responds to that humble heart that says, I see that you don't know what you're doing right now in this moment. You're running around like a chicken. See, I'm not doing that today. For those three of you who thought I was going to jump off this stage and cluck like a chicken. I'm not doing it today. Listen. But God sees your humble heart. And he responds to that because now he sees a vessel that's being emptied and he says, oh, there's more space. There's more space for me. And all that is is relationship, right? More of Jesus in our lives and less of us. You know, today's Palm Sunday and I'm not great at preaching on holidays. And I tell Pastor Damon, I'm like, don't ever leave on holidays, please. Just don't do it. Let that be your thing, man. You do Palm Sunday and Easter and Christmas because I never, I never have messages for those. But I asked. We'll get back to that in a minute. I asked the Lord, like, how can I tie this into Palm Sunday? There's just no way. You know, I wish the kids would have left one, right? The palm things. But on that day, they were taking these palm leaves and they were Ushering in Jesus, right, into Jerusalem. Do I got that right? Come on, Bible scholars, right? Jerusalem? Palm leaves? What were they shouting? Hosanna! Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Like, just... But you know, I never... I never... Like, what is that? Why were they shouting? Hosanna! I mean, not that he wasn't worthy... I mean, he was riding in on a donkey, though. <laughs> what was that all about? But why were they shouting Hosanna? You know what it really was? It was a cry to save us. That's what that word means. Those words mean. Like, and listen, even in the Hebraic origin of that thing, it meant to liberate us or save us from this battle. Like, they were going through some stuff, and they needed salvation. How many can relate? Are any of you going through some stuff and you would like to be liberated or saved? Hosanna! Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest. That's what you scream, right? That's what they were doing. The thing is, is prophecy was being fulfilled in that moment, right? We read from the book of Zechariah. Listen, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, 
O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and he has salvation. And lowly and riding on a donkey or a colt, the foal of a donkey, he comes in. You see, when we make an intentional choice to trust in the Lord and surrender, that's what we're doing. We're issuing in Hosanna, right? When we lean to our own understanding, we're not shouting Hosanna. What we're shouting is, boy, Jim, I hope you got this. Good luck, buddy. But when we are coming from that place of intentional trust and intentional surrender, we're saying, Hosanna, save me. Liberate me, God. But here's the thing. Like when I was reading that, you know the way God chooses to save us sometimes and liberate us? Isn't exactly how I would hoped he would do it. Anybody else? <laughs> it's not quite exactly, God, how I would have wrote that thing. Sometimes I want to say, maybe you should ask me. <laughs> but you see, God's got a purpose. And he's always trying to develop that deeper in us, right? The story of the ankle deep and then the knee deep and waist deep, where he's always imploring us to the more. But you see, we would never have chosen, more than likely, the path that God takes us through. I wouldn't have chosen to walk through that whole thing with the diabetes if I would have got a say in it. Can I just be real? And I bet if Pastor Damien was here, he, he wouldn't have chose that story. You know, now he knows the end of it. That makes it a little easier. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But how many of us have walked through some stuff, and how many of us are walking through some stuff right now that you're like, I'm not sure that I'm really enjoying the part of this story that God's walking me through. But did you hear what I said? I may not really be enjoying this story, but God is walking me through it. And I know that sometimes my thoughts are not his thoughts. And my ways aren't his ways. But far higher are his thoughts than mine. Farther than from here to the heaven. That's the word of God. Paraphrased. Jim Lewis style. But that's the word of God. So this is asking a question then when I'm in the midst and I don't like this story. Do I have any intentional posture to say, God, I trust you. I don't understand this. I don't like this necessarily. Oh, but I trust you because I remember what you did. And I will not allow the enemy to blind me and let me forget 
who you were in my past. Because what you are in my past, you're going to be greater in my present. And what you are even being right now, the greatness of who you are, you're going to be even greater in my future because that's the way God works. He's the God of multiplication. He's always moving you better, further into the power of the supernatural that's already available in your life. You, the conduit, are just releasing all that space that you decided to take up. But say, God, I surrender. I trust you. Now there's all this availability in the conduit for more of Jesus. Does everybody know what a conduit is, by the way? <laughs> Typically a piece of steel pipe or sometimes they use PVC, but they run wire through it, right, to protect the wire, all that stuff, or other technology stuff, they'll run through this thing. But it's not, most of what we know, it's not like super big pipe. You know, even a big one on a residential or small commercial it ain't going to take much before, if I got a whole bunch of me in there, there's not enough room for anything else to flow through that thing. But when we wake up in the morning and say, God, I choose to trust you because I remember what you did. I know what you're doing now because I know you and I know you have my future. All of a sudden, the conduit becomes clean. And I know we joked at the beginning of this about an acronym, and this certainly isn't one that they'll build the foundation of the church on. It's not nearly as good as life and rest. Those are awesome, and they've changed my life forever, by the way. But trust is simply total reliance upon supernatural truth. I'm going to say it again. Trust is simply total reliance upon supernatural truth. God is the truth. He's the word. He's the God of the past. He's the God of the present. He's the God of the future because he's the God that always has been. The hardship sometimes is do we believe it? This is the hard part, right? When God asks you questions, like, do you really believe that, Jim? Like, when Stacy and I used to do a children's church at our old church, we would have all these cute little things that we would call stories, and that drove me nuts. Oh, you guys know the cute little story of Daniel and the lion's den. You remember that? Do you remember the cute little story about the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? There's a song that goes with that. Do you know that? Now, I'm being intentional to make it sound silly, right? But man, like, do I really believe that there was a Daniel and there was a lion and he shut the mouth of the lion? Do I really believe that there was a Shadrach, a Meshach, and Abednego? There's no names like that today, thank goodness. Do I really believe there was a fiery furnace? And there were three men in there, and all of a sudden a fourth one appeared? You guys really believe that stuff? This wasn't meant to question you. Do we believe this stuff? I'm talking about the Bible, right? But do we believe this? I do. Let me reemphasize that. Maybe I was leading you on a journey to get you not to believe. 
I apologize. It was a journey to say, yes, those things are true. They're not cute little stories. And either God can be trusted and we can surrender our lives to him because of what he did on the cross, or we can't. That's what the Holy Spirit is telling me. Like, what's your testimony? What rock did you throw in that pile this morning that he's done for you? But what's the giant that's in your life right now? This is the love that I have. When, when this is born out of an act of intentionality and you begin to trust God, things begin to happen like what will happen with David. God's searching for a king, and he can't find a king, right, through the prophet. He said, all these sons, man, that you brought to me, they're, none of them are it. There's got to be an, there's another one, isn't there? Oh, yeah, there's another one. Well, where is he? He's a little shepherd boy. He's out in the field. Go get him. And they go get him, right? They anoint him as king, right? Then we start learning about what's inside of David. We already heard the stories about the lion and the bear, of what he had already done. And he was already beginning to prove himself out there. But all of a sudden, there's this thing that crops up against the children of Israel and is called Goliath. You might call your Goliath something else. Mine right now is anxiety. Where in the world did it even come from? I didn't know they grew him that big. That boy from Iowa? Where's he from? They feed that boy good. But what I love about David was all these grown men. Oh, I love this part of this fact of the Bible. And I know that you know the story, and I'm just reminding you, but listen. David knew God who was, and he knew and he trusted God was going to deliver them because he was surrendered. He was surrendered. He wasn't perfect, but he was surrendered. So what's inside of this young man, this, this boy that would dare walk in the midst of all these other military guys with all their stuff and all their armor and and they're all cowering, and they're all afraid. What was in him? That there looked at that uncircumcised Philistine, and I don't care how big you are. I don't, give, I don't give two feathers about how big you are. You don't scare me. How dare you come against the nation of Israel? How dare you come against my God? Like, that's the posture. It became personal. It was who dare defy the armies of Israel, but how dare you defy my God? That posture of David. We know the story that he goes on then and gets defeated by Goliath, right? Overtakes him, destroys him, and Israel's left wandering in the desert for... No! That's not God! When God sees that intentional trust and that surrender, I'm going to use that. I don't care how old he is. I don't care if you're 12. I don't care if you're 60. When you have the posture and an intentional heart, say, God, I trust you because I've seen you move in the land of the living before. And that's what David had seen. He'd seen his God move. I saw it when you were with me against that bear. There's no way I stood a chance against that bear, but my God was with me. It's time that we start getting this posture of intentionality and it starts to get a little brazen against the thing that the enemy tries to do. And before you know it, this thing is wadded up and it's thrown and you never see it again because you start to understand who your authority comes from.
It doesn't come from anything of me. I got nothing to offer. When I was telling Bud this morning, sometimes I just want to kick the devil in the teeth. You see, I wasn't a fighter in school because I was 98 pounds soaking wet. Right? A guy that's 98 pounds soaking wet doesn't go around the high school looking for a fight. Actually, if he sees the fight, he finds the closest hallway and runs down it the other way. Right? That's who I was. And in my season of diabetes, God was teaching me something. Though the test was hard, and it wasn't, I'm going to show you who you are in me, and that you can use to learn your own words, because you trust me and you've surrendered me to be the authority that I've given you to overcome the enemy. You see, that's what trust does. That's what surrender says. I can speak to a mountain, and the mountain will be moved. I can speak to anxiety, and the mountain must be moved. And I don't care whether I see it right now or not. What I know about who God is and what he can do, how he does it is up to him. Are you willing to speak from that place of intentional trust and surrender that God's best is for you? Do you believe that this morning? Listen, we talked about this again a minute ago. We're going to wrap up here in a minute. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And this is what the Lord says. He says, My ways, they're so far beyond anything that you could even imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Jeremiah 29.10 says, I know the plans that I have for you. Who knows them? Now, let's be honest. Do you all know the plans that the Lord has for you? What? You said no? Uh Uh-oh. Let's read that again then. Come on. All right. Jeremiah 29. For I know, right, who's I? God knows the plans that he has for you. What are the next words? They're plans for good. I said, do you know what God's plans are for you? Every one of you should say yes right now. They're for good. I don't like what I'm going through, but God's good. And his plan is good. And his ways are higher mind. And how many would rather trust a higher way than your way? How many want to eat at the table that he's prepared for you in the presence of your enemies rather than the table that's down here? You see, sometimes we want to feed on this stuff because it's attractive to where we're at and it's attractive to our forgetfulness. Oh, that was good back then. You know what, what kills me? We started off with tacos. I know, it's going to seem like a squirrel moment. It's okay. We started off with tacos. But I hear everybody's like saying, talking bad about Taco Bell. But listen to me. I hear you. And I'm not here advocating that Taco Bell is healthy. But listen, I'll go to eat a Taco Bell and everybody say, oh, how'd that go for you? And you know what they meant, right? Like, how'd that go for you, right? 
But nonetheless, I still get on Facebook occasionally, and I see you guys eating at Taco Bell. Now, listen, how many here honestly have ever eaten at Taco Bell? Let's be honest. All right, it's Taco Bell, right? We can agree to that. Now, have you ever had, like, really good Mexican food, though? Now, listen, I want to tell you something. There's, a, there's this thing. It's called the Berea Taco. Listen, I know we're, we're going to wrap up. It's okay. I just need you to focus. Everybody, focus. Here we go. I know we're getting hungry. But there's this thing called Berea Tacos. And you can make it a bunch of different ways. But let me just tell you this thing about Berea Tacos. You take this meat, typically pork, like a shoulder type thing, right? You put it in this pot, and you put in all these beautiful, wonderful spices, right? And you put some water in there, some other stuff, and you put it on the stove, and you put it on low. Everybody say low. Because everything's better when it's low and slow. Low as in your posture. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to make anything spiritual out of that right now. So this meat is cooking, right? A long time. And the longer that it cooks, it only gets better. I'm just telling you. But it's cooking on there. And you can imagine the juices from this meat dripping into this pan and all the spices and the herbs. Mm. And when you pull that meat out, it's just so tender, right? And juicy. Mm. Anyway, you get your meat out. You get all your fixings that you want to put on it, whatever. But here's the kicker, right? You take your tortilla, right? Oh, Jesus, help me. You dip it in the pot of all that good stuff, right? And then you put it on the griddle, right? And you let it sizzle a little bit. Then you start putting your ingredients in there. I'm not even sure if I'm making it right. I'm so hungry right now. I can't even remember, honestly. But you put it in there, and you, you fold it up, man. And you put it on a plate, and you see this golden tortilla-looking thing with this fabulous meat and cheese just oozing out of it. And if you looked at that, what I just described, or if you put Taco Bell next to it, which one would you want to eat at? Where are all you Taco Bell fans now? <laughs> That's something you don't forget. I don't intentionally wake up every morning thinking about tacos, I promise. But I do wake up every morning, thank God. No matter what you have for me, I trust you because I remember. And I'm not choosing to eat at a lower table today. I choose to eat at the table that you prepared for me today. And in the midst of my situation, man, when I was struggling, back to the story, when I was just struggling so much, remember the day I'm driving and I'm crying, not good when Pastor Jim's crying on the highway. If you were by me by then, I apologize. Oh, my gosh. Shouldn't be crying and sobbing driving 70 miles an hour on the freeway. Not a good idea. 
But a friend of mine sends me a message, and this message is probably going to tell who it was. I can't help that. But it was so good. You know when something's so good, it's God. He said, dread is not your bread. <laughs> oh, there he goes rhyming again. You already know who it is. Dread's not your bread. What table you eating at? What table you eating at? Because here's what happens, man. When I eat of them burrito tacos, I have this weird, crazy thing that goes through me. Right? My wife makes some killer burrito tacos, by the way. But when I eat those, I'm like, ooh. I do this little weird thing, like, I don't know, it goes on. But I, I remember all the good burrito tacos I've had, right? I don't forget. I don't forget. There's still times in our lives, however, we find ourselves feasting at a lower table. But it's always a choice. Because even in the midst of a hard situation and a hard day, Taco Bell's convenient. It's convenient. Doesn't make it good. Just makes it convenient. <laughs> right? God's good. And when we eat from the table, Kimberly, you can come this morning. I just want to finish up. You know, the, we read this scripture and it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. We talked about that. Lean not to our own understanding. We talked about that a little bit. And we just briefly just talked about in all your ways acknowledge him. And I mentioned that David was so good at this. I want to read this just real quick as we wrap up. First Samuel 23, 1 through 5. This is the first time out of that series that I told you that nine times David inquired or acknowledged the Lord. But I want you to hear this this morning. It says, Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Kaliah, and they're robbing the threshing floors, right? So here's the Philistines, and they're ravaging this other camp, and they're ravaging the threshing floor, which is their food, their, susten their sustenance and their nourishment, right? They're robbing the threshing floor. But listen, this is what they told David. And the very next thing, the very next thing says, therefore, David inquired of the Lord or acknowledged the Lord. And he inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go. And attack the Philistines and save Kaliah. But here's the part I love about this story. But David's men said to him, Yo, dude, uh, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Kaliah against the armies of the Philistines? You see, David was eating at a higher table when he asked, but his whole army was eating at a low table. Oh, we're already afraid. 
I'm eating something, right? What's coming out of your mouth is producing something. If you eat Taco Bell every day for 365 days, I wonder what the condition of your health is going to be at the end of that. Anybody want to try? No try? Okay. If you change your mind, come see me and we'll do a podcast about it and we'll probably get rich, honestly, but... But see, David's eating from a higher table. His camp is not. So what do you think David's going to do? All of his men, they're complaining, we can't do this. We can't beat the Philistines, and we certainly can't go all the way over there to Kaliah to save them and rescue them from all the stuff that they're stealing from them because we're scared. Have you ever been scared before in your life? You ever been afraid of something? But guess what David did? again I hear you you're afraid God do you want me to do this he's like yeah do it I'm not kidding but David's men said to him look we're afraid here in Judah how much more than if we go to Kaliah like I just said against the armies of the Philistines so then David inquired of the Lord once again And the Lord answered him and said arise and go down there for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand That sounds like a man that trusts the Lord enough to ask. How many old men do we got in this building? I'm kind of scanning to see the room of men that raise their hand when they're asked if they're old. How about I raise my hand? (laughs) There was a day when we didn't have cell phones, man. Do you remember that, all you older men? We had this thing called a map. For those of you that are so young, you don't know what a map is. It's this big thing like this. And it are all these directions on how to get somewhere. Now, if we were going on a trip, guys, sometimes we'd look at a map, wouldn't we? Sometimes, however, the maps weren't always the greatest. And you find yourself like... I don't see this road on the map. In that moment, you've got a couple choices. You don't have your cell phone. You can't Google map. How do I get to 1412 West Liberty Taco Center? Ain't no phone. And it ain't on the map. Like, isn't the thing that says, hey, right here, all you had was an address that you knew about. I got to get to this address or this town. But like I said, sometimes you get lost. And men are not always the best at this. You have to humble yourself and pull over. But how many ever just kept driving for a while to try to figure it out? Because that's what we do when we lean on our own understandings. Instead of being like David and asking Well, son, if you just go up the road three miles, Burkholder Road, take a left. It's down on your right. Big sign there. But you see, asking is an intentional act. Inquiring, acknowledging. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord. Now, I don't know how far you want to take this thing. I'll let you I gotta be honest, whenever I go to Taco Bell, 
which isn't very often. We're talking a lot about tacos today. I really, you all can pray for me later after the service is over and God will deliver me of whatever taco thing I got going on. But listen, we have a choice. Kind of re refocusing my thought just because I think Holy Spirit wants to. We have a choice to make. When God calls us to eat at the higher table, Man, that's a place I can trust. Even in the midst of chaos going around me, I can sit down at that table. There's all this beautiful food. That plate smells like peace. <laughs> that one looks like joy. That one looks like gentleness and kindness. All these look like Jesus. But when I eat at that lower table, I don't experience any of that. If we would just, if I would just make the intentional act of every morning saying, God, I trust you. You woke me up this day, God. How could I not just like what Angie said, you know? What have I given you today? How could I not just say, God, I trust you. I surrender. But I leave you with this thought. When was the last time that you asked of the Lord? Do I really trust you with all my heart, God? Or am I leaning? I'm asking now, God, so that's a good step, right? Because I'm acknowledging the Lord. I'm acknowledging you, Lord. This scripture seems so familiar, and we've heard it a thousand times. And I love what this sign says up here on the wall. If you just stand with me as we get ready to let you go get some tacos at El Cazador. But when we make the intentional act to trust the Lord and surrender to Him, we are then led by His Spirit. But those who are truly led by His Spirit, we have to do the Word. We have to trust. We have to continue to surrender. So God, I just thank You right now. I thank You for You, Lord. I thank You that your word declares that it's your kindness, God, that leads us to repentance. But God, would you in this moment, would you show us if there's areas where we're really not trusting you? Would you show us those things where we're leaning to our own understanding, trying to figure out the situation? But God, right now, we're acknowledging you. We're acknowledging that you have a better table for us to eat at. And God, we remember right now 
the testimony of the rocks that have been placed on the floor. Now, not everybody put a rock down there, but you did. You had one in your mind and you put it down there. And God, we just choose today as an intentional act to say, we remember. Would you say that with me, church? I remember. Now think of that thing that God did for you. So God, I trust you right now. And whatever it is I'm dealing with, whatever the hard things are, God, you're with me. This is troubling to me, Lord, but your word says that you're an ever-present help in a time of trouble. So I thank you that you're present right now. So God, I thank you today that I have trusted, that I am trusting, and I will trust you in my future. But God, I also realize that it takes a surrendered heart to do it. So I surrender to you. God, today, help us to be all in. With everything that you're showing us, God, give me a posture to say, God, I'm all in for you. And I trust you. I'm all in, Jesus. I'm all in, Jesus. I'm all in for you. And I know the plans that you have for me. They're good. God, I just thank you that even greater revelation of this word than what I've delivered, God, go forth today by the greatest teacher of all the Holy Spirit right now. God, because I know that it wasn't by coincidence that you wanted this word to come forth, but God, you're about to do something in this season that you're moving your church into that's going to require a greater trust. God, I know it in my spirit. It's going to require a greater surrender of sacrifice. So God, we present ourselves, God, now as living sacrifices to you humbly posture that says, God, do with me what you want. For giving up and forgive me, God, for filling up this conduit of anything but you. And I repent, God, of whatever it is, God, my phone, just idle time that's wasted. God, I give it to you, Lord, and help me to have a heart that's mindful. This is, God, I surrender every moment of my day to you, whatever you say. So, God, I thank you for the testimonies that are going to begin to arise as we become the doers of this word. As we trust you intentionally, as we surrender intentionally, God, I thank you for the fruit that's going to come forth for that. God, I speak blessing right now over these people. Lord, I thank you for them. I thank you that you're journeying with them in this walk, wherever they're at right now. And I just speak blessing over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you're here today and you need prayer, I'm